1: Welcome to the pastor's study. When I was in college, there was a tent revival near the campus. I was raised Missouri Synod Lutherans. we didn't have tent revivals. So I wanted to see what this was about. So in college, I go to this tent revival and they're worshiping, good worship. These two guys come up to evangelize me. I think they were probably Campus Crusade for Christ, which I have a lot of respect for, by the way. But these guys come up and Tom, Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I can remember my response to them. Yeah? (laughs) Because we didn't talk like that in the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. I know what they meant now, but they were just trying to share their faith with me. And I'll share this too. I've shared this before. This was a big moment for me. I'm 20 years old in college leading a Bible study. And after the Bible study, a girl named Pam says, Tom, can I talk to you privately? Okay. Tom, are you sure you're saved? And I got offended. I said, I think I'm saved. She said, no, are you sure you're saved? You can be sure. And I'm so glad that Pam risked offending me because she helped straighten me out. Today, what we're going to talk about is a healed man who refused to be quiet about Jesus. Would you take out your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 9, and let's learn all that we can from this great story. John chapter 9, and let's pray first. Father, we pray for all the Christians watching this show that you'll help us refuse to be quiet about Jesus and what he has done for us. And Father, we pray for any unbelievers that have stumbled across this TV show, that they will hear this message and put their faith in Jesus for their salvation. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, "'Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he has been born blind?' Jesus answered, "'It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him, and then Jesus will heal him.'" Here's the first lesson. If you're sick, you haven't necessarily sinned. You know, I say necessarily because sometimes there is a connection. If I get drunk tonight, And have a hangover the next morning there's a connection between my sin and my sickness if i get sexually promiscuous and end up with herpes there's a connection between my sin and my sickness but it is overkill to say whenever you you're sick you've sinned i mean a joke i use with some of my friends if they tell me they're sick i'll say what secret sin are you guilty of (laughs) that's overkill that's a joke it's also overkill to say If you're sick, it's because you don't have enough faith because God always heals people who have enough faith. No, that's not biblical. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments. He doesn't say, Timothy, where's your faith? He doesn't say name it or claim it. He says, take your medicine. So it is also true, though that if you're not healed, it could be because of a lack of faith. I was talking with this woman who's, who's sick, and I said to her, well, have you done James chapter five, where it says to call for the elders of your church who will anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and that's how we get healing. Well, you know, if you don't do James chapter five, because you don't have faith that God will heal you, maybe you will stay sick. I'll tell you, I've had this shoulder problem now for two years. I've got it in the anointing with oil three times for this thing. And, um, you know, now I'm just going to wait and see what the Lord does. And I'm going to the doctors. But if you're sick, it's not necessarily because you did anything wrong. Look at verse 4. Jesus answered, We must work the works of him, God the Father, who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. The next lesson is the old Salvation Army hymn. Work for the night is coming. And the point of that song is, in a few years, we'll all be dead. Christian, you have right now this moment to live for Christ. Grab it. I've showed this many times. I'll show it one more time. I have this hanging on my wall at home. Only one life, t'will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ shall last. I love the old hymn that goes, time is now fleeting, the moments are passing, passing from you and from me. Storm clouds are gathering, a deathbed is waiting, waiting for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are sinners, come home. Urgently, tenderly, Jesus is pleading, pleading, O sinner, come home. The point of that song is, soon we'll all be dead. Live your life for Christ. All right, then Jesus heals the man. Let's see what happens next. Skip down to verse 10. So they, the neighbors, said to this man who was blind, now he's seeing, how then were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash So I went and washed and received my sight." Here's the next lesson. Witnessing is telling what Jesus did for you. Every Christian is to be a witness for Christ. You just tell people what Jesus did for you. That's what this formerly blind man is doing. He's just telling people what he did. I always pray before I get on an airplane. God use me, if it's your will, to share the gospel with somebody next to me. And it happens, on the not always, but it often happens on the airplane. And, you know, when I share the gospel, I don't turn to the person next to me and say, hey, are you saved or what? That's a little blunt. But it's much easier just to have a conversation and just say something like, well, can I tell you what happened to me? And this is what I say. I was raised in the church. And somehow, though, I had the misconception you had to be good enough to get into heaven. And then I learned nobody's good enough We're all sinners. The only way we get into heaven is by what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's much less threatening. I'm just talking about what he did for me. That's one thing you can do to share the gospel. Now here's the question. What keeps us from witnessing? What keeps me from telling people about Jesus? Well, let me read the next verses and see if you can tell me the answer. Verse 20, we'll skip down to verse 20. His parents of the blind man, formerly blind man, said to these neighbors, these Jewish leaders, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will answer for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jews. For the Jews, the Pharisees, had already agreed that if anyone should confess Christ, to be the Christ Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, asked him. All right, so the answer to the question, what keeps us from witnessing more? The answer here is fear. But what are we going to say on Judgment Day? when people turn to us and look at us and say, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? I wish you would have offended me on earth so I could go to heaven rather than be nice and be quiet about Jesus and now I'm going to hell? And I remember an old pastor used to say, we are nicing people right into hell. If I could find that Pam who shared the gospel with me after Bible study when I was 20, I'd give her a big hug and I would tell her how important it was, how grateful I am that she risked offending me so that I could get straightened out about salvation. Let me just say this, if you're afraid to witness, and I am too, then you pray, God fill me with your Holy Spirit, and and somehow open a door so I can share the gospel with people. I'll I'll share this. For many years, Jim and Karen lived next door to me. And for many years, it bugged me because I had never talked to them about Jesus. So I started to pray, Lord open a door so I could talk them about the Lord. And one day I'm I'm talking to Karen and she opens up about all the physical ailments she's going through. We had a good long talk and I told her about the anointing with oil in James chapter 5. Oh, I'd like that. So I got an elder from my church. We came over into her living room. She prayed and accepted Christ. We anointed her with oil in the name of the Lord. You know, they moved. I don't know if she's still alive or whatever happened, but if you're nervous on sharing the gospel, then pray for the Lord to bring it up. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said, Give glory to God. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. The blind, formerly blind man answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Here's the next lesson. You cannot argue with a changed life. When I was a teenager, I I kind of bothered the pastor with my pesky questions, and I'd argue with the pastor. And you know what the pastor used to say to me? He'd say, Tom, you cannot argue with a changed life. And I didn't quite know what he meant. He meant this verse here. You can argue all you want, but you can't argue with a changed life. There's a story of a man that was on the stage giving his Christian testimony how God saved him from alcohol. And a guy in the crowd started heckling the speaker. You're dreaming. Christianity is an illusion. You're dreaming. And all of a sudden, the the heckler felt a tug on his coat. Uh, Yes, little girl. And she said, well, mister, if he's dreaming, don't wake him up. That's my daddy up there. We like him so much better now. you cannot argue with the changed life. So tell people how Jesus has affected you. Nobody can argue with that. Look at verse 30. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where Jesus comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does God's will, God listens to him. Never since the history of the world has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, etc. Here's the next lesson. Reason with people. This blind man is reasoning with the Pharisees. Look, what do you mean Jesus is a sinner? He just healed me. and no, nope, this has never happened in world history. What do you mean? And he's trying to reason with the Pharisees. Our job is to try to reason with people. Paul reasoned with the Jews in the synagogue, showing them from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Christ. So, reason with people. I mean, here's a person that says, there's no evidence for Christianity. The Bible's a myth. You gotta, no, no, get a book called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, or Evidence that Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. Look at the archeological evidence for scripture, the fulfillment of Old Testament. I mean, there's all kinds of evidence for scripture, and you try to reason with people but then look at the next verse verse 34 they the Pharisees answered him you were born in utter sin and would you teach us and they cast him out here's the next lesson we are not guaranteed success sometimes you can reason with people perfectly but if they're gonna have a hard heart they're gonna have a hard heart I will share this with you this happened I'm not making this up. In my college days, uh, my family had a cabin in Nebraska, and my buddies, Jeff and David, and I would go out and stay overnight in the cabin and argue religion. And I would argue Adam and Eve, and they'd argue evolution, and we'd go back and forth like this. Never really got anywhere. Then, all right, so this, we have a discussion. We're at the cabin. I go to bed. They go to bed. And I had a dream. In the dream, my mind was opened up and all the wisdom of heaven was poured into my my head. And in the dream, I woke David and Jeff up and said, you know, ask, ask your question. They asked all these questions. I answered all their questions perfectly. And in the dream, they went, eh, and went back to sleep. I woke up, I did this. I went in and I woke them both up. I said, David and Jeff, I just had this dream and I explained the dream. And they said to me, eh, and went back to sleep. And you know what I think the Lord was teaching me through that experience? You can have all the wisdom of God, but if somebody's going to have a hard heart, they're going to have a hard heart. We are to witness, but we're not always going to be successful. Campus Crusade for Christ is perhaps a witness to more people on this planet than any other single group. And here is their definition for witnessing, sharing your faith. Witnessing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. I'm gonna repeat that. Witnessing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Let's see the end of the story, verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees heard him say these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Here's the last lesson today. The reason Jesus came was to heal the blind and to blind the proud. According to that, in in, in John 9, Jesus came to earth to heal the blind and to blind the proud. Jesus is kind of like the sun. The sun will either let you see all kinds of things on earth or the sun will blind you. If you accept Christ, you'll see all kinds of things you never saw before. If you reject Christ, you'll go blind. And I'm thinking of I was uh, talking with this young man on the phone about Christ, and he was raised in the church. He's rejected it. His mother's praying for him. And I said to him, well, I'm going to pray for you too. And he said, don't pray for me. It would be evil for you to pray that I accept Christ. And I said, what? It would be evil for you to accept Christ? This guy had been blinded by the devil. So, um, you know, my, my, my main point I want to make and I hope you take from this sermon is this. Be like this blind man that was healed. You absolutely refuse to be quiet about Christ. Again, if I could find that Pam who offended me, I would say thank you so much for offending me and having the nerve and the guts to tell me the true way of salvation. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, if a person has prayed for healing many times and it still hasn't come, is it God's will for them to be sick?
1: Well. Uh, Like I just shared, I've had this shoulder problem now for two years. I've gotten the anointing with oil three times for it. Now, I don't know that I'll do it anymore. I may have to have a shoulder replacement, (laughs) but, you know, God uses doctors too. The guy that wrote the book of Luke and Acts was a doctor, so, um, but, you know, Jackie, Paul prayed three times that this thorn he had in the flesh would be removed, and God said, no my power is made perfect in weakness." So sometimes you just do say, okay Lord, I'm just trusting you with this thorn.
2: So then you do stop? Sometimes,
1: but Paul stopped because he had a word from the Lord saying my grace is sufficient for you. So I'm still praying on this for a miracle. If I get a clear word from the Lord, nope, this is the way it's going to be, then then I guess you stop praying for it. Yeah. Okay.
2: If you shared Christ with someone and they've been negative and don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Do you continue to bring it up, or Mm -hmm. is there a point where you stop?
1: Well, uh, I think this is called relying on the Holy Spirit. And when I talk to certain people that I've shared the gospel with before, I pray before I even talk with them. Lord, if I'm supposed to bring it up, help me bring it up. If I'm supposed to keep quiet, help me stay quiet. There are times uh, when you are supposed to stay quiet. Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine. And if someone has heard the gospel many times and they're, they're hard-hearted, it's not always your job to bring it up in every conversation. You just pray, Lord, if I'm supposed to make it happen.
2: Pastor Brock, do you have any books that you would suggest for people to help them see the evidence that yes. there is for Christianity? I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll name them again. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, and Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I you know, I was a Christian in college, but I started really doubting whether there was any proof for this at all. The book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, really helped me.
2: You know, why is it that we always are so afraid to bring up Jesus to people, and especially like to family and friends mm-hmm. and that? Mm-hmm. Is it out of fear or is it that we don't feel confident yeah. or are we lacking something in our faith? You know,
1: it, it, I, I, here's what makes me feel guilty. Some of these people that are pro-gay, pro-abortion rights, they're sure bold. Why are we Christians such wimps? And I just think we need to pray, God, fill me with your... Remember Peter, Jackie, Peter denied Jesus three times. Once he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he was real bold. So I think, you know, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. You're that we're baptized and we're given the Holy Spirit, but we need to pray daily for the fullness of the Spirit.
2: Okay. Um, I guess I have a question for you. Is there anything that we can be doing in this day and age? We're hearing about so much persecution and mm-hmm. everything of Christians mm-hmm. and that. Is there something that we should be doing to stop this suffering?
1: Yeah. The, latest, the latest was the... Uh, 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 Muslim radicals that blew up and killed, what was it, 35 Christians in Egypt while they were worshiping in church? Church. Yeah, Jackie, I want to encourage everybody watching this, go to persecution.org and that's the website for uh, international Christians concerned and for free, they'll send you a magazine every month telling you these horror stories and some good stories too. They'll tell you how to pray. Uh, They help give Uh, food and shelter to the surviving wives and children of the people that have been killed. They also help pastors underground. So persecution.org, pray for the persecuted and give for the persecuted.
2: So are Christians being persecuted here in America?
1: Well, it's more subtle here, but when you hear of bakers and florists who are losing their business That's because true. they won't do yeah. a gay wedding. Uh, it's coming. When you hear of, of people, some liberal politicians trying to force Christians to do contraceptives and abortions, then, then yeah. Jackie, we live in Minnesota. We have tax-funded abortion in the state of Minnesota. When you pay your taxes, that money goes to pay for abortions. That's been true now for, since the 90s in the state of Minnesota.
2: How does a person truly know where God wants them to be serving? Mhm:
1: mm-hmm. Well, in the, in the New Testament, there are 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, like wisdom, healing, tongues, speaking, administration, mercy, helps, there's all, service. There's all these gifts. I think the way you know. You pray, Lord, what's my gift? Because he he normally uses you where you're gifted. Uh, I've said this before, Jackie, I know how to preach, so let me do that. Don't put me over the finances of the church because it's gonna fall apart because I don't do finances well. That's why we have somebody on our board (laughs) for this ministry do the finances and I don't. And so, um, I volunteer actually. So just um, find out where you're gifted, pray about it, ask people, what do you think I'm good at? And that's probably your spiritual gift, and you use that to serve the Lord.
2: Okay, question for you. Are the words ransom and redemption the
1: same thing? They are. It means to pay a price to set a slave free. That word, Paul talked about Jesus being our redeemer, our ransom. He, used, he took that word from the ancient slave trade of Rome, because a lot of the early Christians were, were slaves. A slave waited for the day for a redeemer, somebody who would pay his price to set him free from his master. That's what Jesus did. He paid our price for our sins to set us free from the devil.
2: Okay. I guess we've only got a couple of minutes left, but um, maybe we could go a little bit further about this healing thing. Why is it people refuse to follow the scripture to seek
1: healing well part of the problem is the leaders in the church jackie there's certain churches if you go up to the pastor and say say i need to do james chapter five and get the anointing with oil the pastor might very well say oh we don't do that here a lot of churches don't do it what i like
2: what makes a church change
1: from the old ways well i i guess you need a pastor or some good elders who will say look this is in James chapter five. Why aren't we doing this? You just need some gutsy elders, I guess. And Jackie, what I like, you know, you're you're at Hope Lutheran Church. That's where I served for 29 years. At the end of every service, we would say, "If you need the anointing with oil, come on up. We'll have some elders up here who will anoint you with oil and pray." And I think the reason people don't do it, well, partly it could be the the parishioners' fault that they don't believe in it, but a lot of the fault lies on people that don't offer it. Yeah.
2: Tom, we were talking about homosexual marriage a while back mm-hmm. here. And is, there, is marriage between homosexuals addressed any place in the Bible yeah, specifically? A yeah, lady, a
1: lady wrote in that question. Is, is homosexual marriage anywhere in the Bible, she said, or are we making it up? And I said, we're making it up. In the Bible, marriage is always between a man and a woman. This homosexual marriage now that we have in America and some other countries, totally made up by people who don't believe in the Bible. But what makes me angry, Jackie, is when you have Lutheran pastors and some other pastors who are promoting gay marriage and they're violating scripture. That makes me mad.
2: Okay. so. There is the definite scripture there, yeah. and we're she, not following no, it. G-
1: Matthew 19, Jesus said a marriage is between a man and a woman. Yeah.
2: Okay. Hey, so we've 18. got a half a minute left. Yeah. You want to take and sure. close? Everybody,
1: if you want to see our shows for free, go to pastorstudy2s.org. All of our TV shows will, are on there for you to watch anytime for free. If God lays it on your heart to support us, pray for us. There's an, uh, or you can go to the website, or you can watch the address, and that's a way you can give to the pastor study. But thank you, and may the Lord use you to share the gospel with somebody this week. Amen. Thank you for watching the
0: pastor study.